The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling, is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. We are love! (laughs) This is the moment you have all been waiting for. Live from my office and Alex's cool little loft office thing. It's... Wait, we did that already. We did that first. We weren't supposed to do that first. I switched it up. You did it. It's your fault. This isn't an office. This is a fake background. I'm on. I'm on toilet. Oh, now, now, oh, so now, (laughs) now you went there, right? So now it's a conspiracy theory. Welcome in to this obviously exciting episode of the Story World podcast. We're rolling with it. All of that was live to the drive, baby. I mean, you it is it is making it there. Live to the drive. That means nothing. It used to mean something back when you recorded. Well, I mean, I guess it technically is, right? Because we're still recording on a hard drive, kind of. So live to which Anyway. Oh, so yeah, that's good. It does mean something. So, uh, but I'm Steve. This is your boy, Al. What's up, man? We doing good? I'm obviously excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> the excitement is apparent. Yes. Oh, it's apparent. So, uh, well, how could you not? How could you not be excited when you think about the fact that we are getting ready to run one of the best movies of all time, mm-hmm. I think, Dune, through the meter? I mean, rating this movie by its cut of meat. Did you know movies have cut of meats, uh, cuts of meat? Well, they do. They sure you might do. not have known that. They, they sure. do. Me and Alex have spoken, and we it does. The grinder. <laughs> we're gonna put it through the grinder yes we'll, it, it, we'll see what remember, goes out the other end do you remember those old videos those old uh those will it blend videos on youtube where they yes. they would run things through the vent through the blender yes yeah we're gonna run our i guess we're gonna run our movies through the grinder will they grind will they will grind? they, will will they, they grind? grind and will Does they that work? turn to meat yeah <laughs> I, okay To reset, if you haven't seen it, quite a few uh, episodes ago, Steve and I did a recap of all the movies we've covered so far to rank through our new Meet-A-Meter. So we rank movies by their cuts of meats, going through them real quick, scale from one to five, with a 4.5 in between four and five. We got Impossible Meat at number one, which isn't real meat at all. Spam number two, if you might be be a fan. Uh, Number three is Bacon. Number four is Burger. And we kind of cheated. Four and a half is Bacon Burger. And then number five Mm -hmm. is Steak um yeah you and i could have had probably 100 different iterations on here and gone through a scale of one to 100 but we decided to keep it simple and um keep it to to this list so true true the Mm -hmm. movies that we're reviewing of course you said is doom yes yes and Um, i propose i propose and this is going to give my hand away a little bit here i propose for the purposes of this movie that we create a six in our one to five scale (laughs) 
<laughs> I think we need. I think what our one to five scale is really missing is a six, <laughs> so that we can have. So it doesn't even have, fit between one and five. <laughs> it doesn't, and that's okay. Okay, just pretend it was Nick Cage's idea, and that makes it all okay. So, uh, what if you had a steak garnished, <laughs> garnished with butter and and like avocado? Now, see that to me. Now, that's a six right there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just to add some nice, healthy fats. Avocado is not a meat. That's okay. It's yeah. close enough. <laughs> right. It's close enough. I, <laughs> it's, yeah, it is. It is. It, 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 what are you going to do? Argue with me? I doubt it. No, 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 avocado. <laughs> oh, I highly doubt it. So, okay. I guess let's be, let's be serious. Now, Alex, as we as we rate this movie by meat and uh, talk about the various categories that we like to examine our movies by, because this is actually a well thought out and structured process. Um, Yes, little little you may not know that, but it is. Yes, contrary to popular belief, one of our categories that we rate movies by is not based on how we like the actor or actress's personal life outside of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that is sadly yes. not one of the categories. Yes. The, category, the, that, the, the Nick Cage exception, though, is kind of there. Right? I really just appreciate Nick Cage. A movie Cage, that so. contains Nick Cage typically is ranked stake level. Um, That's right. Anyway, mm-hmm. the uh, so yep. the four categories we do rate movies by are plot, emotional response, characters and category intent um yeah. so that is how we're going to be ranking dune and uh with our just own personal analysis and how much we like or dislike the movie steve mm. what is dune 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 this is a great question dune is a wonderful book series uh turned into a movie in fact i think they've had a <clears throat> one or two different attempts at making a good uh, a good movie out of it and they um I think they knocked it out of the park with this most recent movie, probably one of the better movies that I have seen in my um, 33 years on this earth. I'm, uh, I'm like Jesus's age. So I think I can speak authoritatively <laughs> as to the movies um, that I have seen. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. That goes hand in hand. And, yeah, it does. I, I am the age of Jesus. Watch me do this miracle now. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And, um, I, I do think it's a fantastic movie. I'm excited that there is another Dune movie coming very soon, though I don't know exactly when it's coming. It's coming soon. And Dune is this uh, sci-fi fantasy-esque, I guess, a little, little, you know, a little bit of sci-fi, a little bit of fantasy uh, kind of thing in this amazing world. The books were written by Frank Hebert, Herbert, Hebert, Herbert, 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 Herbert. and, um, uh, yeah, really great books from the little that I have read. I'd like to read more. Great books, great movies. Um, I don't know if you want to maybe get into the whole like plot synopsis. I might let you do that because you've seen it more than me. Um, but yeah, that's what Dune basically is, a great sci-fi movie set in the future. Um, and uh, it's uh, really interesting. Yeah, um, excellent introduction for it. Um, I, I'll give a little bit of background. So I, I read um, Dune maybe a year before it came out. Um to the movie my dad read it said hey you gotta read it. it's really good i never really got into much into sci-fi i'm more of the hard kind of fantasy route but i read it <clears throat> read it through pretty quickly up until about the middle part of the book and i didn't really put much thought into the book but then about halfway through it's kind of started to dawn on me how great of a book it actually is and i really took my time to finish reading it 
Um, and after putting it down, I mean, it just shot right to the top of the list for me of my favorite books. I don't know where it, it, it ranks in there, but it, it's high. Um, in, and even though it's kind of funny, you were saying it's a it's a sci-fi genre book without the hard sci-fi, if that makes sense. You do have uh, yeah. spaceships, you do have, you know, uh, guns, you have things like that. Although there's probably more hand fighting, sword fighting in that than, or at least just as much as like the gunfights. So you definitely do have these fantastic elements involved with it. Um, yeah. But uh, regardless, yeah, so the story uh, follows a, a boy named Paul. He's a teenager. I don't know if he's 14, 15, 16, around there. And he... Uh, um man it, it's it's such a test just to intro the story because the story is so heavy um it basically is. his father um they're part of a huge like international federation group that's um run by i think they call him the emperor i believe and so basically they're on this planet that is follow rules and then they have to and then they get called by the emperor to end up working on a planet um the nickname is dune the actual name is arrakis and harvesting spice that is found in the sand that basically powers space travel um yeah among other things um <laughs> and along and so along the way the, the whole story there's kind of two stories the big epic kind of space opera like plot to it is that um there's a there's betrayal involved the um the house the harkonnens that that they take that that Paul's house takes over from ends up um, coming back to take over and there's a huge battle, but really the core story focus is Paul. His mother is kind of like the quote unquote, witch of the story. Um, yeah. She's part of a group that um, has been kind of plotting this, um, a chain of, um, I guess, births and generations of basically breeding people to get to a point where they want a male to come out. That's, for lack of better terms and descriptions, just a very powerful kind of like godlike representative of a, yeah. a male. And um, so Paul become the new emperor. Yes. Right. Kind of in a sense. Yeah. Come the new emperor emperor and be able to, and have a bunch of other different powers with it. But um, mm -hmm. yeah. So Paul's kind of the center of that. And is Paul going to be the chosen one? I'm going to box an enunciation, but it's like the herd, herd Iraq. What's it? Yeah. Called? I don't know. Yeah. Kuwait's Hederach. I, I, I'm, blowing the pronunciation of that but anyway that's kind of the, the main basis of it is paul's exploration and coming into um his father being the duke and kind of owner of the the clan the house but then also his mother who's um part of the group called the ben jesuit where they're trying to basically groom paul or at least see if he it's possible that he can be like the one like this chosen one um to come into mm -hmm. it i probably botched that a lot and it's kind of funny. I can get the plot to Lord of the Rings and a bunch of other things within like a minute and you know it. But this story, I, and you can kind of test it, the story is has so many working pieces to it. You really kind of can't oh, yeah. give just a quick overview and have Ooh. someone be like, oh, okay, I, I get it. And I understand it now. You really do have to sit down and no. watch the movie once, twice, or three times to really have it unfold and understand it all. No, there's there is a lot of depth. The world building is intense. I mean, there is just a ton of world building in this that that it's like you could just go deeper and deeper and keep peeling back layers. Um, that the two things that kind of stick out that, I mean, this is definitely not like a Michael Crichton novel, right? I mean, this is not hardcore sci-fi, right? You're not reading necessarily about time travel and all of that. I think what uh, at least two of the elements that help with the fantasticness of it are. 
um, the spice. Okay, I, 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 even though the spice has sort of like a <clears throat> a hard sci-fi uh, utility, right? In the sense that it's used for space travel. It's 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 a it's a good. It's it's being processed for money, right? It's got sort of that hard thing. At the same time, there's a fantasticness to that element too, right? That that it's just got. It's just one of those elements that makes it a feel like a story that takes place in a more fantastic world uh, than ours. It's like, what would you compare that to today? I mean, fossil fuels? I mean, I you know, I, maybe, but like yeah. not really. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird too because, and this is where, this is where Frank was so smart with weaving all these things. So you have the aspect of, it, it would be such a boring kind of cliche movie if it was just a fight over who controls the spice to power the space. Exactly. It, rather than that, you also are dealing with the people called the Fremen who live basically like in the desert. Mm -hmm, and yeah. it that's what brings in the fantastical. I mean, like what you were saying, how they um, not necessarily believe that the, the spice is spiritual, but they participate in it and from, you know, being around it all the time. Their eyes are blue and it kind of gives it that fantastic element. That's right. But they yeah. have been kind of ingrained in them by the Ben Jesuits um, kind of uh, um, being involved with them for so long that they're expecting like a savior to kind of like rescue them. And yeah. that's what they see in Paul. And that's where it gets even more into kind of out of the realm of the sci-fi-ness and into the fantastic. But that, right. in, and you see those, all of those plot points just intermingle. You have, you have the emperor who has his own, um, has his own devices and means and, and things that he wants to accomplish. You have the Harkonnens who want to take back the spice trade. And that's basically all they're focused on is taking down um, Paul's house, taking back the spice trade, making all the money. Um, and, and so you have all of these interweaving things. It, it's actually amazing that the director was able to, even though the movie's in the two parts, fit everything into this first part of the movie the way he did. It was captured very well. I mean, I think very well. And and you're right. Like other than that, like if, because like the spice would basically just be an excuse to be on the planet if it wasn't for like the other elements of it that that Herbert made relevant. Like actually <clears throat> use that as like a a very big focal point in the story. Um, the other thing that makes it sort of in that fantastic world to me is sort of like the whole thing around the Bene Gesserit, like they, them using the voice on people and like they, the idea of sort of um, trying to cross lines and, and breed and get this Messiah figure who has powers. And like, clearly there are some sort of, um, there's some sort of magic. Is it, is that fair to say there's some sort yeah, of, it is. System, yeah. right. There's cause it, you know, Paul puts his hand in the box where it's like his hand is being tortured, but there's, it's actually not being tortured. Um, it, it's interesting. It like it. And I'm sure there's so much in the lore that I haven't dug into yet, but so I'm sure there's maybe obvious answers for this, but just from having read Dune, the only thing that I know of is, is basically that um, like the magic kind of comes from certain breeding and certain things that, just normal humans have found along the way in order to make this outcome kind of like a naturalistic kind of perspective with like fantastic outcomes, mm. which is interesting. Yeah. Um, another thing too, that kind of is um, a little bit more on the sci-fi ish realistic side of things compared to the fantasy side, but um, like the mentats, the people that can like really calculate and stuff. Um yeah. Again, I don't know the whole history and lore to it, but essentially the whole universe um, or the portion that contains humans has banned AI. 
And so in order to replace that, they've trained people, humans in such a way so that they are basically like supercomputers. So right. that's also kind of mixing like the sci-fi and fantasy element into it too. It, at the core, it has like sci-fi foundations, but it almost manifests in a fantasy way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's the perfect marriage. Uh, I think that's why I really like the, uh, why I really like it so much. It's like, it's not, it's, it's not, um, like I'm not traditionally a huge fan of of hardcore fantasy, nor am I a huge fan traditionally of like hardcore sci-fi. Although I definitely lean more sci-fi, but like this marries them in just the best way, and I think that's why it has such broad appeal. So many people like it. Absolutely, so. and I'm really glad that um, I don't know how to pronounce the last name Villeneuve Villeneuve um, directed this the, movie. Yeah. Uh, he obviously is someone who loves Dune. Uh, only oh, yes. someone who only someone oh, yes. who's actually really passionate about everything that dune offers can make something this good with it um just just phenomenal yep. um yep 100%. so uh so kind of going through the categories here we'll, we'll yep. hit on first even though we've kind of touched on it but the plot um i i guess i actually think someone probably could watch the movie and be overwhelmed with the plot because there's so many intersections <laughs> where, the, where the plot crosses however yeah. I think if you just kind of take a, a breath and a step back um, and just kind of follow in, it, instead of having all these questions and trying to worry about what's going on, if you just take what the movie shows you, you can follow the plot pretty well. And it's and it's very interesting. There's more questions, I think, asked in the first one. Yeah, there are answers. You know, oh, yeah. a lot of the answers are going to come in the second part, but it, it very much um, sets up a very interesting um, story. Yeah, like there is like so far in this first bit of the movie, there's not like what I would call like your standard hero's journey thing going on. Like there's if anything, there's just like hints toward that and like shadows of that. Like it, like it's if you think about it, there's not a whole lot of depth to the of like um of plot movement if you will right there's like a, like but here's the thing though it's a long movie where a lot of stuff happens right and yeah. and and no this is what's so interesting about this movie no obviously other than there's one big scene right where there's like this huge like basically takeover of the um you know atreides compound on on arrakis on on dune All right so there's that one oh spoilers by the way uh but so right so <laughs> Uh, if you haven't learned that by now, then you haven't been paying attention, and you should just turn the podcast off. Um, right. So, um, so there's obviously like that one thing, right, where it's pretty huge. But like, it's a long movie where like a lot of stuff happens. Each piece on its own, very cool. Each piece significant to a larger story, right. and yet, and yet, in my opinion, you don't really feel like there's a whole lot of plot movement. You kind of end the movie thinking, what just happened? And what's mm. going to happen next, right? And so I don't – again, I don't think that's a bad thing. I'll be honest. I had the same thought when I read the first Lord of the Rings book, okay? Mm. So I read, the, I read the book before I did the movie. So I invested 17 hours into the Lord of the Rings book. And judging by the way it was set up fairly early on, I thought for sure – 17 hours later, <laughs> the the ring would be everything would be taken care of. Mordor would be saved, the whatever it would, all that. Like 
Middle Earth would be happy and the next book would just be like the next adventure, whatever yeah. that is, right? I was shocked when the book ended where with them basically like going out on the river or whatever. And mm-hmm. I was like, what just happened? What a lot just happened. So much happened. 17 hours. <laughs> like everything happened, but nothing happened. And and I, I feel the same way about dude. Now, so Lord of the Rings, objectively, one of the best stories ever told. So um, uh, so I, I don't think this is something that we can say takes away from Dune. I certainly don't think it takes away from it. I mean, I thought it was great. But to your point, um, a first-time uh, viewer or reader, uh, depending – I don't know how the books are set up. But so de- definitely of this movie, a first-time viewer could be like, what did I just watch and what's happening next? And why did so much happen but nothing happened at the same time? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, like I said, the, the book was kind of the same for me. Like I said, I was kind of reading it and just basically taking it for what it was worth. I think for the movies, you do have to do that. But in the books, since the books do give more detail, you definitely can pay more attention and get a little bit more from it. But that's how I read the books. It was just so much. And I, I just kind of was just like, okay, he's telling me this, whatever. And I kept reading. And it wasn't until about that halfway mark, where which would be kind of at the end of the first movie get more or less where it kind of hit me where i thought oh wow there's actually like some really important stuff to this that's cut finally coming together in the movies mm. more or less same thing yeah there's some really cool parts there's obviously plot stuff you can put together but the whole time you're kind of being drug around being like basically on a tour being pointed at and saying okay yeah. here's here's this little foundation here here's this little thing over here and you're trying to just put it all in to make a, a coherent picture of the of yep. the big picture of what's happening. <clears throat> well, you know, something that and, and that's true and, and something that we do know is that um it actually is it's very bad for the plot when you do the opposite. So like two examples, right? Um imagine trying to stuff all three books of Lord of the Rings into one movie. Right? That would have been a horrible movie because there's mm-hmm. no way that you could have actually gotten all of the detail and all of the context that you need to be invested in the characters. But do you know right? that's what they wanted Peter Jackson to do at first? Sorry to interrupt. But they no, I did. They I did want, not. They know said that. they said you have to do it in one movie. And Peter Jackson said no. Like, no way. I mean, <laughs> I am. I was upset enough that Tom Bombadil was not in the movie. So don't even mm-hmm. get me started on that. Right. And it's like, yep. yeah, was that like a huge detour in the book that didn't seem that important? Sure. At the same time, like just the 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 added element of mystery that that mm-hmm. brought is something that like the movies are quite obviously lacking if you are someone who has read the book. Okay. Um, another example is uh, so I, my buddy Jared is trying to get me into Stephen King a little bit, and so I don't like the horror, like I don't like the horror genre of anything, and I know that's a lot of what Stephen King writes. Um, but he's uh, written this series called The Dark Tower, mm-hmm. and so I'm on the first book right now called The Gunslinger, and. Uh, I've expressed some frustration um, at how slow it seems to be moving. It seems to be moving a little slow for my taste. Well, uh, it turns out they ha- there's a movie called The Dark Tower, and it's got Keanu Reeves and um, uh, Idris Elba in it, two fantastic actors. I don't know who directed it or whatever, uh, but The Dark Tower series is a seven-book series, and this is one movie that apparently tries to accomplish the whole book series in this one movie and uh it was a total bust like i told jared i was like did you know that this was a movie he's like yeah never watch it it's like a horrible movie (laughs) and everybody knows it because they tried to do exactly the opposite of what we're talking about here so um 
So I think while we may say, eh, like it's kind of weird that you can watch a, a three hour long movie that isn't about anything and yet so much happens. Um, I think that it has to be this way for this kind of story. So I think the plot was, uh, was, is great. Well, and to, another thing that just popped in my head is if you tried to make the movie any less than that, you would be doing Frank Herbert a, a huge like disservice because like his book is meant to be very thought provoking and, yeah. you know, and, really make you think about things so if you did dumb it down at all or didn't have those core foundations it just it wouldn't be the dune that that he set up um exactly yeah no that's awesome. a very good point um so cool um there's the plot um emotional response there are plenty of parts in this movie that really tugged on i'm gonna sort of say like my heartstrings but got my emotions riled up and um, the actors did a great job. The scene that I think about um, the most that really did it for me was when after when Paul's with his mother and they kind of crash in one of the ornithopters and they're under the tent in the desert. And he's kind of having like one of those moments where he's like seeing like the future in different ways. And he's like kind of like having one of those um, kind of moments um, in himself. And I forget exactly if his mother tries to tell him something or tries to comfort him, but then he gets mad at her and basically says like, like you did this to me, like you're part of the Ben Gesserit and gets very upset. Um, and you can just really feel that emotion in him and kind of the struggle. Another thing too, it's not really like a single moment that you feel like the emotional tenseness, but throughout the whole thing, I think Paul's character is great. He's not, He's a kid, but he's very strong and very sure of himself. But at the same time, they didn't make him a character where he's like some like undestructible kind of cocky person. Yeah. I think the character of Paul is a, he strikes a really perfect balance between almost kind of what you would actually find a kid his age who stick him in that position and someone who's a little bit more mature for their age might act like. Um, so I was re just really impressed with how well they did with that. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm kind of like I, I totally agree with all of that, and I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like for me, it, it's actually kind of hard to um, uh, untwine the emotion, the emotional response from the characters in this particular movie because, like, yeah. so much of the emotional response is like, like that is where the plot development happens is in the character development, right? So this particular movie is is very. Um, character development uh, driven, even though like a lot of like what you might even call significant characters are basically out of the picture in this movie mm. um, because of, you know, the takeover that happens and all of that. Um, but like Paul's relationship with his dad, Paul's relationship with the, uh, with a couple of the people that were like in his dad's, um, uh, you know, Royal, whatever. Um, obviously his relationship with his mom, uh, the mom's relationship to the dad is explored a little bit. Like you find out that she's a concubine, right? She's not actually his mm -hmm. wife. And, uh, there, and, and there's like, it's like, it's, it's never like overwhelming. Like you're not, your tears aren't necessarily being jerked like, or anything. Yeah. Like, it's not, a, it's not a tear jerker. It's not It's more of like an urgent I mean? emotion that you feel almost like more of a thumping of the heart rather right. than, you know, it, it yeah. like you said, like, it's like, yeah, it's like there's this uh, uh, this sense of importance, yes. right? It's like that's a that's a great way to say it. You yeah, feel, you know that what's happening to this story, those characters, is important 
not just them personally, but like is important to the universe. Like whatever is happening in this situation, it's super important. And you feel that weight on yourself. Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, Speaking of just because tying emotions and characters kind of together here, um, man, the Baron Harkonnen, uh, the um, antagonist in this movie, such a good job. And the music that goes along with anytime he's in the scene and just his demeanor. um, Oh man. So good. 100%, 100%. 100%, 100%. And, and even um, even the characters that, like, like, somehow, characters that don't even take a particular role, like whatever the, the girl's name, which, I, do we find out her name? The girl that, that Zendaya plays, do we know her name? Yeah, the, we do. We do. I, I actually forget her name, but yeah, I think she does. I forget it, it but yeah. And that's the thing. Like you can tell she's going to be a main character in this thing going forward, but like, she's obviously she's not one right now. And yeah, like there's even like somehow they accomplished character development within characters that don't even actually show up until like right at the end of the movie because of like the visions that Paul is seeing and, Mm -hmm. and all of that. The, um, the, the, the lady who was there, who was a Fremen, and is also the person who is like acting on behalf of the emperor or whatever yeah, you know who yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. Even she, like, there's this she's got her whole and she's a minor character, relatively speaking, and she's even got this whole story arc in there. And like yep. where her and she gets to like succeed in her, you know, mission, if you will, for the Fremen. Um, and in this and it's just uh Every, it's like all these characters somehow there was time enough to give them all their each their own arc and like those character arcs um invoked a heavy emotional response so it, it you talk about well done man it was it was bravo i also i want to say this too about the books is it gives a spotlight to a few more characters or different characters than what the movie does so um, again, wow. spoilers, but you know how um, the doctor is the one that betrayed them because the Harkonnens have his wife. So yeah. in the book, there's at least one, I want to say two or three chapters in the beginning that is from his perspective, the doctor's actual like perspective. And you get wow. to see his thoughts and everything. It is really cool. Um, so, Man. Um, so even more character development. And again, in the end, though, a side character. Um because in the end, again, totally. he doesn't make it. I forget if the book, that's what that happens, but I'm pretty sure it is. And it doesn't matter in the end. Yet, for certain reasons, that was very important to show to Frank. Um, but yeah, this, the character, the characters are great. The emotions they show. I, I like what, I kind of like what you were, the idea that you were getting at, though, that we talked about was that um, you, you just have this, it's that feeling through the whole thing where, like, this is important. Like this yeah. is so important, even yeah. though it, it's it's all make believe. You're watching a fictional movie, like you just feel like this is like something that we need to like know what's happening and like be. A you're like of. heavy almost, and yeah. and and there's there is this like this is another one. Lord of the Rings is another one, but certainly this movie is an example where like there's a lot of tell not show in the very mm. beginning, like with that monologue that is sort of read out to like tell you what's happening, yeah. and I love that right because you're not having to like discover like there was enough time um like there wasn't enough time to to give you that much context in the movie itself despite everything else that was going on and so like it it takes about two minutes and just tells you what's up in this world what the spice is who these 
like what the, what's the deal with the houses so you don't have to like your brain's not working overtime to figure out all that stuff yep. and i think that is what helps accomplish that sense of importance i think when you really grasp that when you grasp why the next three hours of your life matters it mm. makes you watch with more weight and yep. and all that and I, so i think that's a brilliant strategy that uh, in some cases right obviously in some cases it's the exact opposite you get a total white room where not even the character on the screen knows what they're doing or whatever you know yeah. or what world they're in so like that's like the it's like the complete opposite of that but i think that's why you watch it with such investment um at least Absolutely. i'm just retro retrospectively thinking back on it you know certainly doesn't hurt when you have hans zimmer um adding to the emotional Oh, uh, the score, right? Oh, <laughs> it's amazing. How, my gosh. I think it's my favorite just... movie score. I think it surpassed maybe Interstellar for me. Maybe. They're like mm. hand in hand. It's so good, though. Both done by Hans Zimmer, though. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for me, it's, uh, yeah. I, for me, nothing tops John Williams, uh, uh, Jurassic Park. Mm, that's true. Uh, nothing, that is a nothing really beats good one. It nothing beats it for me i i get all the feels when i when i hear that when i hear that theme i get all the feels but <laughs> dune is fantastic and if you look up on youtube it's fascinating to watch mm -hmm. some of the interviews and some of the making of the soundtrack oh my gosh just insane the movie score so that most certainly helps and in fact it's more than just that right it's it's you know there's a lot of good movie scores and, mm -hmm. and a lot of talented people um who, who make movie scores but there are some movie scores. Jurassic Park, frankly, is a great example. I think Dune is a great example where the score has a big part to play in the world building, mm, right? This, this, the score itself actually adds to the world and put and transports you there um, in a way that like – the, I don't know. It just doesn't matter. If, some movies like the score just doesn't really matter to do that. But especially yeah. in this high like sci-fi fantasy drama, I think the score is a big part of transporting you into a different place. And it so does that. It's so good. It's great to see. Um, and I'm sure there's a history of this all on its own, but it's great to see um, composers uh, really um, like really taking on the role of not just, okay, I'm going to make great music for this, but I'm going to enhance the world and make yep. it even more real with this music. Yep. I'm going to tell the story line. with the music while you tell the story with the words, right? Yeah. It's that. Yeah. And, and it's like there's two stories happening, but they all blend into one just amazing story. So it's great. Yeah. Um, and then the last part, category intent. This actually um, is interesting for this one, kind of what we were saying is that, right? okay, sci-fi movie um, has some heaviness to it, a little bit of fantastic elements. Um, I think they did a great job fitting it into that non-genre category that <laughs> it is. Yeah, the the sci-fi elements that are in the book that make it a sci-fi are in the movie as too. But he doesn't go all out on the sci-fi. He doesn't make right. He doesn't add like different starships fighting in the sky, or um, he, he doesn't add to it. Um, he gives a right flavor of every single element to the story to give it what it needs. Nothing more, mm -hmm. nothing less. So right. the category that it shoots for, which is really kind of no category in a sense, it's all focused <laughs> on the story, like sort of na its nails it. Yeah, it's its own thing. And they just really nail it. Well, it's like if you watch this movie expecting Star Wars, you didn't get it. Sorry. Yeah. If you watch this movie expecting Star Trek, you didn't get it. 
Mm. Sorry. You know, if you if you watch the movie thinking, um, whatever, like Lost in Space or Galaxy Quest or just whatever thing you want to think about, yep. you didn't get it. Like that's not what this that's not what this movie is. It's like it's like Lord of the Rings in space. Like it really is. And yeah. I, I don't know, like that's almost the best way that I could describe it, to be honest. Like it's basically Lord of the Rings in space, um, even though the storylines are different, but like just that feel, that vibe. Um, I agree. Yeah. And I don't, it's, um, I don't know that you could just put it in a box. Now, there are some other things, though. Um, I haven't, so I haven't watched. Are you familiar with any of Isaac Asimov's work, like Foundation? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Okay. So those are sci fi. I have not seen them. Okay. So I'm just, I, so if, if I'm, if you're listening to this and I'm totally ignorant right now, I'm sorry. But like, there are some things from like that around that same era when Dune was originally written, where, like, the sci-fi was a bit, uh, maybe a bit different than it is today. So the problem with today's sci-fi is that we know too much, right? Mm. Um, okay. And uh, so we have to, we now have to start getting really weird. And, in a, in, and it's okay. Like, for example, like, two of the books that I just read recently, both by Blake Crouch, um, heavily explore themes of time travel. And if you think about that, it's because it's one of those things that we really don't have down yet. Like like space travel, there's things that we don't know, but there's a lot we do know. And, and our limitations are not like how to get out of the atmosphere, how to get to space. We already know how to go to Mars. We know how to go to the edge of the solar system. Yeah. Obviously, 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 there's a ton we don't know because we can only go so far as of right now, of course. But like, it's not like we have no clue how to get mm -hmm. to the next place. We're just limited by distance and how long it takes humans to travel and all of that. So um, I feel like sci-fi from like that 60s, 70s, 80s era was like, um, what are, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like we, we just didn't frankly know as much back then as we know now. And so I think it was maybe a little bit more um, imaginative. Um, and I, I could be speaking out of, out of line here, but I think that's true. And so I don't know if, if, if foundation or whatever uh, falls into that category, but, but there are a few things like that where even just looking at the logo and like getting a basic plot synopsis, it sort of feels like it's in that same thing. So all that to say is that the category is not like ultra nerdy sci-fi, you know, we're not talking about time travel here, um, but it's not, uh, it's not ultra fantastic fantasy where you're in a completely different type of world and you're not even talking about humans anymore. And like you've got hobbits and elves, like it's not necessarily that either. It's just this perfect marriage between the two. And so, uh, since it made up its own category, I think it has to ace, I think it has to ace it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree, which brings us to our final meat ranking. Yeah. Yeah. What is Steve, this one? Okay. <laughs> what do you got? What do we got? Or should we let's do three, two, one, and then we'll say after one, we just say our category or our uh, our rating. Okay, right. ready? Three, two, one. Steak. 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 Yes. All the way. All the way. This All is a way. steak. This is a this is the steakiest, juicy steak movie. I mean, I have just it's really good. I really enjoy it. And uh, I could watch it again and again and uh, probably Absolutely. learn more each time. You know, it's a it's a it's a real good one. It's one of those ones too, where I'm just thinking about it. Like, I guess you could say this for any movie, Lord of the Rings, but it, it's a movie where I could 
almost watch this one in segments like 10 15 minutes until it gets sure. to like because it, it the movie is kind of broken up into like these different chapters you could watch a 10 15 minute segment shut it off and like think about it for a few days and oh then come yeah back and watch like it's one of those movies where you really could do that too um yeah it's kind of like reading a book right like the, mm -hmm. it's 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 the most it's the most reading a book like watching a movie experience i've ever had i mean it's really good <laughs> it's quite unique <laughs> <laughs> all right on the story of the weeks um so just a, a quick not really command to just a, a quick note but um i am reading through the doom books again and once my website launches i start making youtube videos in another month or so i am going to do a deep dive analysis on the book it's not really going to be a book movie comparison it really is just going to be looking at the book and walk throughing it so i'm really excited yeah. about that i'm excited for that too i can't wait to actually uh watch that Man. yeah i know it's about time i got this guy making a website for me and so hopefully it pulls through yeah i hope so too he's doing a pretty rough job so far so. <laughs> um and then uh so my real story of the week is i kind of talked about it before i didn't really have a story of the week so i'm bringing it up again but the thomas covenant books i'm in the second series of it mm. um so there's first series is three books second series is three books and the final series is four books 10 total so i'm on book five the one tree the second book in the second series and um it's uh interesting i've read the first series more times in the second one I, I always forget how good the second series in i i feel like that um just also the writer um just comes it just really makes his writing even better and the story is a lot more intense um mm. the one problem that i didn't really have it much growing up i i thought that he was um special with this in a way but it just kind of gets irritating now is he uses he likes to use archaic words quite frequently that uh, you might kind of know the really? definition of, but you you would never use it in normal vernacular or even just like in writing today or even yeah. when he wrote it in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, so that gets a little frustrating, but um, still a great story. Still one of my favorite book series. Um, highly recommend. Yeah, so ironically there... I have the same complaint about the archaic words and stuff, which I know it's kind of the purpose of, of at least of the part of the story that I'm in right now um, with the gunslinger, the Stephen King book I mentioned. And um, in the intro to that book, he like takes a chapter to explain like why he wrote the book. And he gives a lot of credit to Lord of the Rings. And he actually mentioned the Thomas Covenant books. He brought those up and I had never heard yep. anybody mention those except you before. Um, and he mentioned those. So I, anyway, I thought that was kind of funny that I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. But then like the archaic <laughs> word thing, like I'm totally getting that out of King. And I'm just like, are you just trying to make yourself feel like seem smarter than me? Because it's working. Like, I don't know what these <laughs> words mean. I'm like, would you have like Kindle gives you the ability to like define the word and at yeah. least half of the words, if not more. Kindle, like Wikipedia so, and whatever, I didn't even know what the words mean. And I'm like, OK, give me a break. If they don't know what the words mean, <laughs> how should I? It's anyway. weird. So. With uh, Stephen Donaldson, who wrote Covenant, the thing that keeps it from it really detracting from the story is that he actually uses the words so frequently in together. Like in one paragraph, there might be a dozen words that we just do not use. And wow. he uses them so frequently, but so well. I honestly think that maybe he purposely uses them for some reason, but I think that he just has such a huge vocabulary in his mind that those words just seem natural to him. And so yeah, that's I think I think maybe some of it may be a bit forced, but at the same time, he uses it too frequently and too often for it to just not be a normal part of his vocabulary. Right. 
Wow, Stephen, Stephen King is interesting because I love his book on writing and um, I, I, I like I like a lot of his like movies. Whenever I read his books, I just couldn't get into them. Um, yeah, I might have to try again because it's been quite a few years, but I just had a hard time and I do, I'm not sure why. I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time with this, too, but I'm, I'm holding out because I'm I'm hearing from from Jared that it, it does uh pick up quite a bit and when i read the plot like the synopsis of the of like the story and like the whole series especially like it sounds really really cool i think i'm just kind of like bogged down in this current like part of the world that i'm trying to like get through and it doesn't help that it's like that the, the part that i'm in is like western-esque and i don't like westerns yeah. um and so that doesn't help but like i'm holding off for the point where like there's portals and time travel and multiverses and all of that stuff supposedly <laughs> that we're going to be getting into and i could dig that stuff so um i got you know, to book, working on it i got to book like four four or five of the dark tower and yeah the first one it was very up or down for me i forget which one it was either book two or book three i really liked but then the other ones just Interesting. Yeah, again, I don't know. So I'm curious to see what you have to say about so, it. So uh, I've heard that a lot of people favor book four, actually. Like book four is the one people like the most. So I don't it know if you be. actually read that one or stopped just short of that one. I but... stopped on one. I either stopped on four or five, and I forget gotcha. which one. It's been like gotcha. seven or eight years now, so I can't I can't recall. Cool. But... Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to give him a chance. So uh, my yep. story of the week is um, uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, great just a great show. Just a fantastic show. They're doing a really good job with this, in my opinion. Um, and uh, episode nine, episode nine, I do believe, was a musical episode. And I don't like musical episodes of things. I, I, I don't either. Just, I actually just don't like musicals. This was fantastic. Even really? my wife was saying, yeah, Tiffany was saying, like, it's like, it's so well done. Like, they... It's a musical, but they break the fourth wall with it. So they oh, okay. know yeah, yeah. so yeah. they know it's a musical, but they don't know why it's happening or how it's happening and it shouldn't be happening. And it's very it's not like they are singing um it's not like they are singing about the thing it's like they're literally just singing what they would be saying, but they're doing it sing-songy and like there's just enough rhyming to make it pass. And so it's more like what happens when me and my wife just randomly like, you know, break out in song. Like, you know, we might be saying whatever we're thinking to the tune of a song or something yeah. like that. It was more like that. That's and cool. like, like there's Very star even, like, yeah, like they were so self-aware, right. Of like what was happening at any given moment that it was like, um, they came to the realization, uh, uh, spoiler alert here, but like they, they came to the realization that, um, they came to the realization that it's really easy to lose your train of thought when you repeat the same thing over and over again. Um, <clears throat> no, they they came to the realization that they were they were um, doing the singing and like how they could. Um, that gummit! I totally lost my train of thought. I hate when that happens. I was on to something so good. Like I was, I was, I was really. It was related to how they broke the fourth wall, and I totally forgot. You guys are gonna miss out on this awesome knowledge that I have because I can't remember. I was talking too much, and now I forgot it. <laughs> and I'm still talking. Uh, we all have those <laughs> moments, Steve. We all, we all have those moments. Anyway, anyway, it was. It was a really good episode. I'm shocked at how well done it was and they were able to just um 
it was just so meta um, and so good for a musical episode. And they figured out how to like break out of it. Oh, I, I now remember what I was going to say. Um, like they even make the point that in, like in musicals, they're like, yeah, we're in a musical. And like in a, in a musical, you got to get everybody emotional because like the, the song breaks out when like some super emotional thing happens. And so to get out of this, we need to like raise the volume. We got to get everybody on the ship singing and we got to get like some super emotional things so that, you can't express it with words. You can only express it through song. It just, it was so meta. It broke all of the fourth walls and it was just amazing. It was great. So That's highly right. recommend. Excellent. All right, Z, that wraps up another wonderful week of our podcast. What do you got to say for yourself? It does. Hey, you know, if you are watching, here's what I got to say. Hide your kids and hide your wife. If you are watching on YouTube, like it, smash that like button. That's what the kids say. Smash, smash that like button that like button share it with a friend um you know tell others about it this is the craziest like zaniest podcast ever if you listen to this episode you my friend are a rock star my camera went out so now i'm like ultra blurry on screen and i don't even know why or how that happened um and so i'm still talking but you can't see me so i guess we should go but if you're listening on <laughs> spotify or something then it doesn't matter anyway then it doesn't matter anyway that's true Thank All you right. for listening, everyone. Until next time. Thank you. Time. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye.